This is Leaders Who Scale, and I'm Jeff Siegel. I've worked with thousands of companies over the years, and I'm fascinated by seeing how many of them grow and scale. Join me as we learn from the leaders of growing companies and share that knowledge. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class accounting, advisory, and QuickBooks and Acumatica Cloud ERP services. Today's guest is an entrepreneur and a business leader. He has a knack for understanding customers and customer experiences. He's a master of masonry and a lover of landscapes with over 25 years of experience in the industry. As an entrepreneur, he purchased a landscaping company in 2017 and formed his current company in 2019 after purchasing and merging in his family's masonry business. He's now grown to 12 employees. He's a president and owner of Cliffstone Corporation. They're located in Woburn, Mass. I want to welcome Ryan Bennett. Thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thank you. And thanks for being on. Uh, Over the next, you know, half an hour to 40 minutes, I'd love to hear about how you are growing and scaling your business. So uh, the first question I'd love to hear the answer to is, you know, what is the most challenging aspect of scaling your business? Yeah, for me, I feel like right now I'm, I'm kind of in the trenches of, of trying to figure that all out. Um, you know, we, we've, I've grown the business now from three employees to 12 employees. Um, everything started to grow really fast. And so um, going from three, we may not have had the systems in place that we, we probably should have to grow. Um, you know, we've, we've implemented some software in place to, to run the entire business that um, goes all the way from the administrative staff all the way out to the field guys uh, to keep everybody on the same page with everybody's projects, uh, whatever their schedule may be that day. So uh, for me, implementing those types of things uh, in order to get to the point where this can run without me being involved in the day-to-day projects and and more try to run the business um, as opposed to working in the business. And and so I'm, I'm caught in between a little bit right now uh, and, and that's what we're working towards to, to get me more involved in running everything as opposed to being on the project every single day. And uh, so that right now has be, been my biggest challenge with trying to scale up. Yeah. So just kind of like you just mentioned, um, working on the business or in the business. So you're kind of doing both right now, it seems, right? You're probably out in the field. You're actually doing the work as well as trying to strategize and grow. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And not as much as I, I was in the past, but at, at the same time, you know, there are certain days at the end of the day where I just shake my head because I can't believe the amount of things that I put my hands on during the day that I probably shouldn't have, you know, trying to delegate tasks to different people. Um, but you also get caught up in, um, you know, some of the little things that need to get done. You know, if you can let the guys handle the large projects and I go handle some of the small stuff on the side, the miscellaneous loose ends. But then at the end of the day, I realized, you know, I've, I've done an estimate, I've done some sales calls, I've done some scheduling, you know, maybe repaired an irrigation head and then mm-hmm. gone over and, you know, made sure that we've set up supplies for the next project coming up. And, you know, a lot of that stuff really should be delegated to our staff. Yeah. Um, and putting the right people in place to take care of that stuff so that that's not what my day-to-day looks like. You know, it's a little little more organized and, and uh, I have a set plan in place as opposed to just sort of running around and picking up the pieces. Yeah. I mean, do you, 
do you have a plan? Like what, what keeps you up at night? Is it the, is it the plan to grow and what you need to do to do that? Or is it a lot of the the current jobs and projects and things like that? Or, or, you know, you know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a little bit of a mix because I always say, you know, we, we do some really nice work and I have some really great employees and on a daily basis, the business runs fairly smooth. You know, mm-hmm. we, we don't have too many hiccups, but at the same time, my vision is that, you know, I'm running this business with the correct people in place and the correct systems in place so that, you know, I have people that are, are taking care of the sales and the estimating and, and project managers. So I feel at the end of the day that I, I'm not really doing it the right way, you mm-hmm. know, and that, that piece is frustrating to me. So it's, it's as good as the jobs are going and as profitable as the business is, knowing that there's probably a better way and a more efficient way to scale the business is, is what keeps me up at night. And then every once in a while, you know, you get into, if a, you run into a problem on a project or it, it, with what's, you know, happening right now with supplies, you know, you, you don't know if you're going to be able to get the supplies for the project that you have in place. So it's great to have all the work booked up for the entire season, but if you can't get the materials, then you really can't do the work. So right. there's a lot more that goes into it now than, pre-COVID when, you know, I could call a supply house and have whatever I needed within a day or two. And now, you know, if you don't have that stuff ordered two, three months in advance, you're probably not going to get it. So there's a little more involved um, with the business now where, you know, I can't really be sitting in an excavator and ordering projects for a job that's coming up three months down the line while I'm trying to work on this project. And, you know, so it, it, it starts to get to the point where I, I'm doing too much myself and uh and that's what gets you really frustrated what what's the rest of your team like um you're obviously you're a small company and you're trying to grow so you tell me about some of the other players you have on your your leadership team yeah so my wife um works in the office elisa she runs everything in the office she runs all of our social media um answers all the phone calls and does all the scheduling mm-hmm. for everybody for both sides for the landscaping and the masonry side of the business um I, my father comes in and works a few days a week. He's not quite ready to retire. So um, he really uh, is a huge help on the masonry side. That's his specialty. So whether he's meeting with customers, doing estimates or running a project for me, um, that's, that's really his niche. And I really oversee both, but I'm the one with the experience on the landscape side. So I usually handle all the sales and estimating on the landscape side. Um, so the three of us are really the the management group that's in place right now. Uh, and then I have four men on staff on on both the landscape and the masonry side that I can rely on to run the projects. Um, it just yeah. may be something that we may need to oversee ordering supplies, materials, all that type of stuff. Do you, so the three you, uh, family based, basically business, um, do you get together? Is there like strategy sessions or is it really at this point, because you're such a young company where you're, you're kind of running it from a leadership point of view. Do you actually, do you actually plan like, okay, we want to be this size or this number of employees in three years or two years or five years. And yeah, that, that is, yeah. And it, a lot of that is, you know, my, my dad will be involved because he's got some experience, um, so a lot of the stuff that I'll bounce off of him, but it's really my wife and I that have these meetings to sit down and see where we want to go, um, how fast we want to grow. Um, and, and so that, you know, that's sort of right now, 
you feel like I and I feel like I've hit somewhat of a roadblock of what should be the next step. Should you know what should be the next hire? We we really are looking into a um, operations manager for the landscape side of the business because that would give me a little bit of relief because mm -hmm. that's sort of my role now on top of everything else. So to find somebody on the operations side to run that whole side of the the business to take that off my shoulders is is our main goal right now. Trying to find that yeah. right person. Um, and, and then on top of that, you know, what is most important? We could use a little more administrative help in the office. We could use some guys that could run the run machines, you know, so I, I feel like I could make a list of, of, you know, 15 major wants that I'd love to have right now to make this run perfect. Yeah. And, and it's trying to figure out which one would fit us best, um, moving forward, you know, trying to find help. We have great employees now and they've continued to come back year after year and we'd love to grow, but uh, we're sort of at the point where we really want guys with experience that we can rely on, um, especially on the masonry side. That's not exactly the side of the business where you can just kind of hire somebody green and let them run a project. You know, you're always looking for guys that are green that you can train, but we're also at the point where we're doing high-end residential uh, projects. And so you've got to have guys that that understands how to build a project from start to finish. Mm -hmm. um, and so that comes with experience. And, and, you know, those guys are pretty thin right now because everybody is so busy in this industry that uh, there's, there's not enough help to fill those positions. So what what is our best move going forward if we really can't find the help or immediately can't find the help? What is the most important position we want to fill and then go from there? Yeah, it's funny. I was going to ask you about who your next hire would be, um, but it sounds like a, op, ops is probably the biggest one right now. Um, it as far as sales, do you? I mean, is how is the actual business itself? Are you, you clients coming in? You know, looking for bids and estimates and things? Yeah, that's that's uh, you know, you can call it a a problem or a great thing to have. Is <laughs> right. we, we can't we can't keep up with it. You know. Um, it was, you know, three or four years ago, we'd come out of the, the winter, which is sort of our slow time of the year. And we might have a month or two built up for the, for the season. And then the phone starts ringing in the spring and you go from there. And it's sort of Groundhog's Day every year. That's how it works. And then since COVID hit, it's totally changed where, you know, you can't keep up with the project. So sometime in August, we start scheduling for the following year. Mm -hmm. So by the time we get started this year, our year is almost entirely filled up. So everybody that's calling now is, you know, so that's sort of the issue is if you could find more help, we could probably double or triple in size if we really wanted to. But right. it's not a healthy growth because we don't have the right people in place to do that. So it's 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 a good problem to have. But at the same time, you know, we would like to grow a little bit and, and take on more projects if we could mm -hmm. find the right people in place to do it. Yeah, I and mean, you mentioned uh, earlier uh, at the beginning that systems you had to, you had you were putting in systems to do a lot of these things. What what um, what kind of systems have you put in as a, as a is it are they landscape oriented? Is it? I'm just curious because I'm a, I'm a systems guy. I'm an accountant. I'm curious all, all the time about what people are using out there. Yeah, so we use a, a software called LMN Landscape Management Software, and uh, it does everything from budgeting to estimating, uh, timekeeping. So that you can take track the guy's time and payroll, mm -hmm. uh, and it does scheduling. 
So it's really from start to finish from, from the second we get a phone call that comes into the office, my wife inputs it into the CRM so that we have names, address, phone numbers, how we got the lead, all that type of stuff, all inputted into the system. Then it gets scheduled to a, a sales call where we'll go out, meet with the customer, estimating, and then it gets scheduled into the calendar onto each crew. And then you go from there. As soon as they're complete, you know, they'll complete the project. It gets, you know, message gets sent to the office and we can invoice immediately. So in that sense, it's streamlined because when we first bought the landscape business, it was, you know, handing out binders with a list of, you know, <laughs> houses that you're going to or whatever it may be. And then, you know, right. we didn't get to something. Okay. That night, go back in the computer, erase what we did, start over for the next day. It was just constantly handing back and forth binders every day to keep track of all the work that we were doing. So once it got to that point where I realized, all right, this, there's gotta be a better way. Um, it was a little bit of an investment. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you feel it's hard to swallow. If you can do it with a pen and paper, why would you go out and spend thousands of dollars on software? You know, cause you, you've been able to do it this way forever, but you've really got to realize what the return on investment is going to be by, by investing that money into the software. So right. that you've got to look a few years down the road and say, this is, if we're going to get anywhere, we've got to have this. And that was sort of where I got to is my father and I always did the estimating. But if we ever wanted to get out of that role, we've got to have some sort of software in place and systems in place so that we can hire a salesman and say, look, this is how we do things. This is the software we use. Now let's go out and start selling some jobs. But if we never do that, we can never say, well, you know, this is how we do it because this is what we think is a good way to do it. You know, you can't teach anybody that. Right. So um, it was all a means to to scaling, you know, the business and and really getting everybody on the same page, all the employees on the same page so that every single day you're not showing up and trying to, you know, tell everybody individually what they could be doing that day or what what mm -hmm. tools they may need that day. Just assign a time saver um, and making things more efficient. Yeah, it's it's talking about employees. Um, do you do you feel that the company has a, a culture, and if so, like how do you maintain that? Because everybody's on the road, right, doing jobs. Um, are there there's are there different crews like masonry versus landscaping, and you know, I'm just curious how you you kind of keep keep everybody on the same page as as a yeah. culture more or less. Yeah, there there are different crews. There's landscape that does maintenance, you know, landscape install crew and masonry crew. Uh, and sometimes mm -hmm. the masonry crew is split up in two crews. And, and a lot of times on larger projects, we may all come together because you're doing all the hardscape and masonry to begin with, but then we've got to landscape our way out because we've ruined the, you know, the, the property that we're on by bringing machine and equipment and everything else in there. So we're landscaping our way out. So there are some projects where they all work together. But I would say the majority of the time they are in separate crews. So what we've tried to do as much as possible is to show the guys how much we appreciate everything that they do um, by having company cookouts, uh, company outings. Uh, we have some stuff implemented. If we get so many positive reviews, we have another cookout or we let the guys choose if they want to do something different. But, but as a group to recognize what they've done and how much, you know, the customers appreciate the work that they put in and that they, you know, to show them that the company is growing and whatever we're getting recognized for is because of them. You know, they're the reason that we get recognized for the work that we do. So to keep that going and then 
they also hold each other accountable because you know they want those positive reviews. They want to know that they did a nice job on each project. So they take pride in the work that they do. So that has been something that we've maintained for the, you know, um, we put a lot of emphasis on that starting probably three or four years ago when we started to grow. Um, you know, when I worked with my dad, I, I just grew up with, you know, it's, it's his way or the highway type of mentality. Mm -hmm. It's an all kind of old school construction. And, you know, so we didn't have to have, you know, company cookouts to appreciate what we did. I mean, we were there to do a job. We knew we did a nice job and then we moved on to the next one. And it wasn't that he didn't appreciate us. It just, it was a smaller crew and it was sort of an old school mentality. And now you see, you know, when guys talk about they having trouble keeping guys and, and there's just constant turnover with their company, you sort of want to look in and see, well, what's going on internally that, that you could change. And so I took a hard look at that, um, to see what could I do that could possibly show that these employees are appreciated because I never really took into consideration, you know, how do they feel about where they're heading, you know, what direction their career is heading or, or what they want to get out of this career or, or on a day-to-day -day basis, how are they doing? And, you know, what's going on at home? Is everything all right with their family and their friends? And there's a lot more that as being a business owner, I didn't realize that I was going to take on, on my shoulders. And then, you realize in order to keep these guys coming back, they, they, there's got to be a good work environment for them to come to. And, and that's what we've really put an emphasis on is to try to get that environment in place. So they want to show up every day and they want to do, you know, the type of work that we expect. Mm -hmm. Do you do, is there some kind of education as well that you provide? Or are you, you know, I, I assume, you know, products change, you know, whether it's landscaping, masonry, and you're always trying to stay up on current trends and things like that. Do you do, you do some kind of formal education or is it, you know, uh, kind of a job by job type of thing, you know? Yeah. Or, it's, and yeah, I don't think I would call it. And, and that's definitely one thing that, that we don't do the best job at as far as like making it, you'd say a monthly training meeting or sending them someplace to get something as far as educational and new products. But in the wintertime, um, a ton of the suppliers that we use have educational videos since COVID. It really was in person that you could go and see the new products, see what they were coming out with, um, meet some of the salesmen. So that's the type of stuff that we try to do to stay up with, with all the educational piece for the guys. Um, training on site a lot of times um, comes into play because every residential property is different. Every project is different. So there is a lot of training that's on the fly, but we try to have, you know, any safety meetings if, if something comes up and also trying to keep the guys up to date in any new products that are, that are coming out. Hmm. Yeah. And, and as far as your actual team, there's a 12 um, in total, um, is it you have long-term employees or much turnover? I mean, there's so, so much going on in the labor market. We both know that, obviously, and trying to keep employees, trying to hire employees. Um, just curious how that's affecting you um, in, in your business. Yeah. Yeah. So my uh, lead foreman for our masonry actually started working for my father. I believe he's been around now 35 years. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and last year we, my landscape foreman was around about that same amount of time. And he finally just retired uh, so he could enjoy some time off. But so those were our two longest tenured guys. And the rest of my crew has been here 
a minimum of five years, you know, four or five years. Um, so, and, th and that, I feel like the first year I was in business, I mean, I had, if, if I could get somebody to stay a month that, you know, it was good. We had our core guys, but all the new guys that were coming in, it was a month and they were gone a month mm -hmm. and they were gone. You know, you just kept cycling through. And I just, that's sort of when I became, came to the realization, all right, we've got to figure out what we're doing because we felt like it was a good environment. Um, but for new guys, we didn't know what we could do to attract people to come and stay. And so that's why I feel like the changes that we've made have obviously helped because the guys come back year after year. Um, and it, so it is a good work environment. So that's the, uh, the other piece of that is you, any new hires that come in have got to be able to gel with these guys that are here because we have some good cohesiveness going on and we don't want to bring in somebody that's going to take everybody down. And it doesn't take long to send somebody out with a crew and all of a sudden you start seeing morale coming down and the guys aren't overly thrilled about going out and doing what they're doing. So um, that type of communication has got to be open at all times to find out, all right, you know, how do you guys feel? How's this working out? Any changes that we can make? It's just, it's got to be constant to, to make sure that, you know, check in with the guys and find out where their heads are at. Yeah. I know when we hire somebody, um, we have a set of core values and we try to check the boxes off on whether they meet them right from the recruiting side. Um, and, you know, that's through, we, we practice e, uh, EOS, the EOS system. I'm not sure if you, you, you do any of those scaling up EOS, but we, even every week when we meet, we have like, here's our, here's our core values and, you know, they get a plus or a minus. And we noticed um, that, if they hit, if they're my, if they have a couple of minuses and some of those values, they're not really the right employee. You know, you, you kind of find out anyway. You don't have to do the exercise because, like you mentioned, morale. You start seeing it, and they either have to be, you know, um, trained up to say, "Hey, you're going to be, you're, you're a good employee," or they have to go. So, I'm, I'm, yeah, it, I just went to uh, uh, the, with Will Scott with EO. Oh yeah, and that's that's exactly what it was all about. And and you know, about halfway through, the light bulb really went off. Like, all right, you know, this is something that we sort of talk about, but we don't really implement. And in order to to have these changes that we want to make, we we really have to make this uh, uh, the main foundation of what we're doing here. You know, mm -hmm. as opposed to it's in my head or it's in conversations with my wife and I. We've really got to get the guys to buy into these core values and hold them accountable um, because that's the only way that I can see that you can evaluate your employees as to whether or not they're, they're long-term or what, what can you do to help them um, become a better employee mm -hmm. is, is to have these core values in place and to have some sort of scale that you can keep track of, you know, where are we at? Um, and to hear some of these other uh, business owners say that, I mean, that's literally how they hold their employees accountable and their employees hold each other accountable is to say, are you living up to these core values each day to make this company better? Yeah, I know. It's interesting because um, when we went through that process, um, we, we, we picked our best employees and then tried to figure out what were the values that they had, like what, what made them our best employees, you know, yeah. loyal or they showed up on time or they went the extra mile and then we, we created our values based on that. Cause I, I think a lot of people think that the core values are what you tell the public, but for us yeah. it was internally, what as a, as a company, you know, 
what was our values and how do we hire and how do we look at our employees? So I think it's a good exercise to do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so do you, are you a, um, are you like a financial person as well? Do you, do you look at your numbers and figure out, you know, how are we doing quarter to date, year to date? Do we do it? Do you have a budget you try to, you know, as a, as not, not on a project basis, but mostly as a company, you know, overall company basis. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we said, and, and obviously I have an accountant and um, mm-hmm. to take care of all the, the book work and stuff like that. But yeah, sure. we, we come up with our, our budget for the year um, as to where we want to be. And we try to, stick to that as close as possible or exceed it, you know, if we mm-hmm. can. Um, I, I'm constantly looking at my numbers, whether it's daily or weekly. And then after each job that we do, run a job cost analysis and see how we made out on that project. Because yeah. um, a lot of times, you know, it's, it's I'm the one doing the estimating. So there's no way that we can change any mistakes if I don't figure out, you know, on each project, where, where do we exceed and where do we fall short? Mm-hmm. Um, and in this time, you know, with material costs have completely skyrocketed for us this year. It didn't really hit us until this year. The last few years, it's gone up, you know, hot faster than it um, than it was in years past. Maybe mm-hmm. gone up from three percent to five percent. But in this last year, I mean, we're seeing twenty percent increases. It's just it's through the roof, and it's not. It used to also, in some ways, be set in the spring. You know what? What are yeah. what are the supplies going to cost us this year? And it would always stay fairly close to that. We've already had two or three price changes on materials since the beginning of March. So it's a constant battle of making sure that you're keeping track of what you're spending on materials. Labor costs have gone way up um, for us as well. So this is this year alone. I think for any businessman has has got to be a huge transition because you're almost changing on the fly. You know, it used to. You used to feel comfortable coming out of the winter with your budget, with your payroll, where you're mm-hmm. going to be at, and you just can't do it like that anymore. You know, you've really got to stay on top of all that stuff constantly and and make changes on the fly to make sure that you are staying profitable and and you can stay in business. Yeah. Do you have to at times, depending on when the jobs are bid, go back to a customer and say, "Look, I gave this estimate, you know, two months ago or sixty days ago." The materials are actually going to are higher now. Like, is that something that you you may have to do at times, or is you know? Yeah, yeah, and 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 I've never, I've always, you know, um, really prided ourselves on the fact that when we give you an estimate and and, and we have a signed contract, that's the signed contract. We're not going to come back to you at the end of the job and say, you know, we didn't realize this. Sorry, you know, it, yeah. it changed the price on them. I mean, it, it's our responsibility to go out there and, and figure out the project and what it's going to cost the customer. And, and that's why we're, we're professionals. We go out there and we know what it takes to get the project done. There are no surprises. Um, and so that's what we've always prided ourselves on. Unfortunately, with the jobs that we signed last August, the material costs are nowhere near that. So I've always put in the contracts that the materials are based on today's prices and they are subject to change. And so leading up to each project, I always give the customer a call and say, you know, look, I've done the research. We've, we're ready to order your supplies, but there's been a price increase. Are you still okay with this price increase? And, you know, the labor, we can stay the same. You know, we're not going to change the labor or anything like that. But material costs, um, because they've gone up so much, we just can't eat that cost. In years past, you know, if there was a 1% or 2% difference, it's not a game changer on a project. So you know, rather than make waves, just 
we would always just leave it as is because you can always get by on that. But with a 20% price increase on a large scale project, you just can't eat that yeah. cost. So um, or, or, luckily the customers have understood because, uh, you know, it's happening with everything they do in their everyday lives. It's not just the, you know, the hardscape project in the backyard. So, um, but yeah, it, it's really, it, that part kind of, it is tough to go back to the customer and say, look, this is the huge pricing. You almost want to show them your estimate to say, look, this is what it was and this is what it is. But, you know, yeah. for the most part, it, it's gone. It's gone fairly well with that. Yeah. I mean, it must be tough because, you know, it's going up that much. And I don't know whether some of it, you actually take a hit to your margin a little bit because you're like, hey, look, it's gone up so much. I can't, you know, I can't chart, you know, uh, you know, maybe I have to bring my margin down slightly, but I, it's, I'm not sure whether you just have enough work where you don't have to do that. Hey, it went up 20%. We have to go up 20%. And so, you know, um, it's an interesting problem. With yeah. Yeah. I, I think it, it, it really depends on, on the actual cost of the material. I mean, some of the stuff you can get away with, it's a few dollars here and there, but if you're doing a large scale patty or something like that, and, and, you know, the price increases, you know, $3,000, then, You've got to you've got to talk to the customer about that. Yeah, you don't yeah. want to take that hit on the on the project. Some of the small stuff, you know, might go up two or three dollars or whatever it may be, and you just you, you eat it. You're not going to nickel and yeah. dime everything. Sure. Um, and what what do you do for your own like uh, professional development? Whether it's you know uh, as a business owner and you know uh, strategy and things like that, as and as well as product in landscaping masonry. I, you're, I assume you're spending most of your time kind of professionally trying to learn how to grow a business and scale it. You know, yeah. 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 I think that, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's probably a wide range. I mean, I'm always, because a, a large part of my job is sales. So I'm always staying up to date with the, um, the latest materials that are coming out and products that come out. Um, I also stay on top of the, the newest type of equipment, technology, software, any of that stuff that could possibly help us become more efficient. Um, I've joined recently joined EO Boston to, to help, you know, myself be around some like-minded entrepreneurs that could help me in some of these roadblocks that I've run into. Um, and I always seek out other professionals that are in my industry or in other industries that have scaled and have been successful. And I can see, you know, that's someplace I'd like to be. And you can, you can tell when they have a run well, uh, business, you go there and, and just pick their brain and say, look, you know, I like what you have going on. I'd like to get there someday. How did you do it? You mm-hmm. know? Um, and you'd be amazed at, at the type of information that people are willing to give if you just sit down and talk to them. You know, they're all, everybody wants to help each other, but you've got to go out. You've got to ask the right questions. Um, sure. And, and that's the only way we're going to we're going to learn and grow, because this is all now new to me figuring out, you know, what, what's the best way to get to where I want to go. Um, because I've got a million different ideas, but I don't have all the answers. Yeah. When I'm just curious, when did the, uh, was there a switch that flipped at one point where you know, like you and you obviously enjoy what you do, you're passionate about landscaping and masonry, but was there a, was there a switch that happened? Like, I love all the stuff, but God, I like really growing and scaling a business too, or, you know, I really want to spend more time doing that because that's really becomes, you know, the passion or, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would say, uh, yeah, I would say it was probably, you know, three, three years ago or so that I, you know, I really went from, I always wanted to be the best operator and, 
build the best patios and have the nicest projects. I mean, that was always a goal that I always set was competitive nature was to have that stuff um, and know that, that I was the guy that, that could do kind of the, the best work, you know, a little internal competition with the other guys we worked with or whatever it was. Um, but then once I started running the business, the passion turned from, all right, I know how to build patios and, and, you know, have nice designs and, and landscaping. But what I really want is I want to run a successful business. And then it was sort of deep diving into, all right, what does it take to run a successful business? And that is now my drive is, is how, can, and that's why I say that's where the, the frustration comes with knowing that there's probably a better way, a more efficient way to run a successful business is I feel like we're doing pretty good the way we're at now, but it's not the way that I want to run the business. It's, it's not the rat race that I want to be in on an everyday basis. I really want to put all my energy into doing it the right way and, and, and really having a, a, a nice scaling business going forward. So that's really where my passion is now is seeking out any information I can get to make this thing a, a really nice business to run going forward. Because the way that I'm doing it now, it's sort of like you said, I, I just hit a, a major roadblock where it was just like, I can't keep doing it the way that I'm doing it. So what can we do to change this so that I'm not, you know, going 150 miles an hour every day and, you know, at the end of the day, feeling like half the things still didn't get accomplished that I really wanted to get accomplished and figuring out where, what are the most important things that I should be doing and delegating to other people. You know, it's just, it's clearly gone from a nice small business, family owned business to where we're at today. Things, it just got to a point where we realized, all right, we can't keep doing things the way we've always done them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what, I've noticed talking to a lot of business owners, including my just myself, my own business, is that you know at the early days you're just getting clients, you're kind of just uh, you know, making it work, and and then you get to a point where like systems need to be upgraded because now you can't keep up, like you said, pen and binders and paper, and so it's, it sounds like you've kind of gone through that you know hurdle, but but then it's the next thing, or maybe around the same time, it's the people, like the and the right people. You mentioned earlier, like an ops person you know, and someone like your wife, like the back office people who make sure the contracts are signed and, you know, um, the website's up to date and, you know, um, the systems are all working properly. It's, I think you go through these points, you know, um, where you, you start to probably think about, you're doing a lot more strategy, like, Hey, where do I want to be in two years, three years? So you're really at the visionary side. Um, but it's all those other pieces. It's, it's, that's all part of scaling. So it's, it's interesting hearing your, your journey. Especially, yeah. Cause you, yeah, on the you, front you end. feel it on, you feel it on the fly. You know, you just you, yeah. you realize that, all right, maybe you always felt like we could handle everything internally. And then all of a sudden it gets to a point and you're like, all right, are we at the point where we should probably hire somebody else for this position or for that position? Because it's mm -hmm. now getting to the point where we're spending too much time and energy in places that we shouldn't. And, and, the, and it's the knowledge of, When's the right time to hire that person when, you know, that next person is always expensive. So do you take that leap and are you ready to take that leap? And so it's, it's that whole world of unknown that you're not sure. And not only you're not sure, but because you're not sure, is it this higher or that higher, or is it this piece of equipment or, you know, it's, right. it's all those unknowns. And, and that sort of, when we hit that point there, it was like, all right, we've really got to buckle down and come up with some plans for the future and figure out where we're going. Yeah, I noticed with with us, 
same thing. You know, we hired people to do accounting and things, you know, clients trying to handle them. And what do we hire them ahead of time? Or do we, when the clients come go out and find people and um, it's all, it's a challenge. Um, I mean, I, we, we now try to hire ahead of time, but it's really that commit. You're like, all right, I'm going to commit to do it. It's in um, it, it work finds us as soon as we hire people. So it's interesting. We always feel like the minute we get someone in, we fill them up. So now I'm, Maybe I've turned the corner even as a business owner where I'm not afraid to hire somebody if I think I know that I need them. So it's before I was yeah. hesitant. Like, do I, should I wait? You know, and uh, that's interesting. Yeah, we've, I, I've, I've said the same thing is that every time that, you know, I've made a decision that's made my stomach turn or how, how are we going to be able to handle this? Or this is, this could turn out bad. All you just realize that, you know, it seems to always work out in the end, you know, if you make the right decisions and, um, and I feel like we have some of the, a good foundation in place. So by, by making some of those decisions, they have worked out well. And you say, what was I so worried about? I should have, you right. know, and it did, it's the same thing with, with, you know, um, you know, having an employee move up in position or giving them more responsibility. You always look back and say, man, why did I wait so long? Right. They were ready. They, they could have been ready. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm the roadblock, you know, because you've, I've got so much going on that, I, you know, you can't see what's beyond what, you know, the blinders and, uh, and then you all of a sudden you come out and you just feel like it's an epiphany. Like, Oh, I've just come up with this idea. And you're like, well, why didn't I think of that? You know, six months ago, why, why am I just coming up with that now? You know? Uh, it, so yeah. It's, <laughs> it, it's hard. Cause we're like, we want to like control everything. I think as leaders and yeah. maybe we stifle sometimes growth if we just have to really see the people and go, hey, we can put them in that position. And if they fail, well, it's okay. You know, people make mistakes. That's how they're going to learn. Yeah. 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 Putting a little too much pressure on failing and it's not always, it's not always failing either. I mean, that sounds like it's the be all end all, but it's, you know, it can be a small mistake. It can be, you know, Oh, we got to fix it on the fly, but it's, it's not like it's going to put you out of business by making some of these decisions. And sometimes that's the pressure that you put on yourself. You know, things are going just fine the way they are. If we make this decision, it could really make some waves. And do we really want to deal with those waves? But you know, all part of being a business owner. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what is, what's your biggest, uh, you know, what's the future look like in your industry and what do you see for growth, you know, from your point of view, you know, I, I've talked to owners who, um, they, they're into like, um, they want to acquire other companies and, or they want to grow organically. I'm just curious what your, just kind of long-term vision. What do you, what do you, what do you see? Yeah. So now we're, we're, toying around a little bit with the, the winter months. Um, we we're into snow plowing, commercial snow plowing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't love the idea that we are dependent on weather for that. Um, and, and some of our stuff is seasonal. So it, you know, you're going to have a full season contract one way or the other, but some of the other contracts aren't. And so in order to keep your employees all year long, you've got to have the work throughout the year to keep them on, or you end up laying them off and then you don't know if they're going to come back. So you, to get out of that cycle, we've, we've looked into a, a few different businesses that um, we're going to do a little more research on, but it's something that that type of business, their busy months are in the winter when mm-hmm. we slow down. Um, so it would be an opportunity to keep our guys on in the winter and keep everybody busy. Um, and I think it would be a nice addition to what we're doing. Um, and we also, I always keep the door open for the possibility of a, of a landscape business that might be selling you know, to mm-hmm. purchase another one like we did in 2017. 
because that's the nice. that for me was the the easiest way to grow um as much headache and and stuff that goes into that and buying a business and getting it set up and and employees and equipment and all that stuff it, it, that was sort of a turnkey operation that we just had to make some tweaks to to fit our model mm-hmm. um but they had the customer base they had the employees they had the equipment as opposed to starting from ground zero and trying to grow that way. I, I think that that would probably be our next best bet on the landscape side is to do that. You know, I, I think that scaling the landscape side is, um, is easier because recurring revenue, it's, you know, the hardscape stuff, you might do a patio for somebody and then you don't get, see them again for 25 years. Right. Yeah. You know, so it's a little more difficult to scale that side of the business than it is the landscape side of the business. So that's more the side where I, between the landscape and the snow, um, it's all the same stuff over and over again. So right. it's a little easier to train guys. Um, and the equipment all works the same, whether it's the snow or the landscape, and you can use it both. So mm-hmm. um, that's where I see our, our future going forward. But it's also, for me, very difficult to see that until I put some people in place um, right. to help take some weight up my shoulders. You know, every time you think about growing, it's, well, I don't, I don't know if I can handle any more than what I have on my plate. So it doesn't yeah. seem like a reality. So it, it's going to, they're, they're going to have to come in, in pieces, but that is, that is our plan is to, is to grow. Nice. Cool. All right. Well, I'm glad we talked about a lot of that stuff. I'm curious just about you, you know, personally, are you from, you were from the Wuban area, I guess, right? You grew yeah. up there and were you, did you go into landscaping as a, as a career? You know, how did you end up getting involved in that in the first place? So I did, I grew up in Woburn. Um, I live in Wakefield, Mass now, but mm-hmm. I grew up in Woburn and uh, the masonry business, uh, I think I said was my father's business. Yep. So it was something that I grew up in. Um, that's where I was in the summers, you know, eighth grade, ninth grade is pretty much when I started full-time in the summer uh, and after school. And, and so I worked there all through high school and all through college. And my father was determined to have me do something else besides get into the masonry business. Cause it was, you know, it's, it's heavy lifting, it's hard labor. There's really not a whole hell of a lot that's easy about that type of business, you know? Yeah. Um, so I did, I went out, when I get out of college, it was, uh, I graduated with criminology and sociology and was thinking I'd get into some form of law enforcement and mm-hmm. probably two or three years after I get out of school, I really got the itch to, you know, get involved with business and run a business. It, um, and so that's when I, I talked to my dad about possibly coming back and, and having him, you know, show me the ropes about how to run the business and, and get more involved because really when I was summer help, that's all I was was summer help. I couldn't wait to, for the day to be over so I could, you know, go hang out with friends. I wasn't there to learn the business or anything like that. So, uh, that's when I got back involved with him and, uh, worked, every day until 2017, uh, probably from about 2004 to 2017, I worked full-time for him. Wow. And then uh, the landscape business was an opportunity that sort of got dropped in front of me. And uh, that was not the plan. The plan was to work and buy my father's business and continue that on. And uh, But I always wanted to expand the business into the landscape side because a lot of the projects that we do are in people's backyards. We're doing patios and walls and fire pits and then another landscape company would come in and get to do all the planting and the sod and the irrigation. And I just always saw it as an opportunity that we were missing. Um, but, and we had thought about maybe starting out with some, you know, landscaping, but that startup cost was always so high that we just didn't seem to, 
it just never seemed like a good fit. So when the, the landscape business came up, uh, I thought it was a good enough opportunity that I jumped on it. So nice. uh, for a couple of years, I sort of worked with the land, running the landscape company, but also worked for my father um, it, it, because I was his, his lead foreman and was running the projects for him. So, uh, and then when he retired in 2019, I bought his business and, and combined the two. Nice. And then, so, all right. So I know landscaping takes up a ton of time. What do you do outside of work? What are you, what are your passions? <laughs> so, you know, I've always been involved with sports growing up. I, I love anything to do with sports. I love golfing. Um, and now I, you know, I, I have a, my wife, Elisa, and I have two daughters, Riley and Taylor, that are both involved in uh, any sport that you can think of. So a lot of our time outside of work is going you know, to the kids' games, kids' practices, stuff like that. I love skiing in the winter. Um, my family's involved with skiing. And in the summertime, it's, you know, golf. And, you know, my in-laws have a place on a lake where we have a boat. So we spend a lot of time there on the boat in the summertime. So I, I like almost anything outdoors and, and love to get away from the business on the weekends if I can, because yeah. really that's that's where my head's at. You know, Anytime I'm sitting still, that's that's what I'm thinking about. So um, if I can get away and get a breather from that, then that's what we try to do. Are you able to get away weekends? You guys yeah. Be, you know? Yeah. No, I really I, I try to put an emphasis on that, that, you know, I, I, you know, for a long time when I was coming through the coming up the ranks, it was a six days a week. It's a seasonal business. You know, there are no days off, that type of thing. You have limited time to get, you know, projects done. And I really tried to. uh scale that back a little bit because I find that the guys get burnt out when they're working six days a week, seven days a week. You know, you don't, yeah. you don't get what you'd like to get out of them uh, on Monday. If they worked all day on Saturday, they barely had any time with their family and to uh, decompress. So um, I, I really do. We try to keep it to a five day work week if we possibly can and, and everybody take the weekends off. So um, if nice. that's, you know, that, that's, that's been a huge part of what we try to do. Awesome. All right. Well, where can people find you if they want to connect? I know you're on you're on LinkedIn, right? I'm on LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, we also are on Cliffstone Corp on Instagram. My wife updates that um, usually on a daily basis uh, of all the projects that we're working on. And we have a website that is cliffstonecorp.com. Cool. And your LinkedIn is Ryan Bennett. Ryan, Ryan Bennett. That's, that's you. Great. Cool. Um, awesome. No, I thank you for your time. This is kind of a good learning experience for me. I, I love talking to entrepreneurs, um, especially with you where you're kind of still new and growing and just kind of learning about what you're trying to do to grow and that's the successes you're, you're having, it sounds like, which is great. Um, and just the whole merger of your father's business, with your, the previous one that you bought, trying to grow, it's it's a testament to, to you, you know, what you've done, which is awesome. I want to Thank everyone who's listening. If you um, like it, I encourage you to um, share it. Uh, hopefully you learned something today. Um, I know I did. And um, again, I want to thank you, Ryan. And thanks, everyone. I'll see you next time. And this has been another episode of Leaders Who Scale. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at leaderswhoscale.com. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class services and cutting-edge tools that help businesses grow and succeed.